Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. But you know what? It's more than that. We want to help you thrive in the midst of today's cancel culture. Our goal is to raise up workplace warriors who will stand for what they believe in, whatever the cost. You can find out more by visiting expertownership.com. But without further ado, here we go. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is David. I'm sitting here with Jason. We're in his little studio in his backyard. We love it out here because there's a lot of trees and stuff. And Jason, he gets a headache when he's under the fluorescence. He's kind of soft. But anyway, today we're going to talk about the Nehemiah sales step process. It's How many steps, Jason? Sales step process, man. What in the world? Okay. It's a 10-step sales ten, formula, man. Okay, whatever. You've got the title in front of your laptop. I don't. Anyway, so we're going to talk all about sales. It's going to be amazing. But whether you're in sales or not, we're talking about positioning yourself in a right way, whether it's your service or whether it's an idea that you have in the workplace or whatever it is. Uh, you want to be able to utilize these tactics because we get them straight out of Scripture and they're incredibly persuasive. They're strong. They're biblical. And it will position you in the workplace as an effective force to bring value. So think about this. Nehemiah, he was cupbearer to the king. And this is the Babylonian king. And the Israelites had already come back from Babylon to Israel. Now, not all of them did. You got to remember that was they were seventy years in Babylon. It had actually been taken over by Persia, so it was technically the Persian Persia. king. Yeah. yeah, Persia and all those places they changed names. But <laughs> so no, it was actually a Persian Empire took over Babylon. But whatever. Yeah, I know that. But that's what I'm saying. But it, it was pagan. It ain't called Persia today. Okay, but it's it was pagan because they they just you, you got the same ge- geography that goes through that's right. name changes. That's right. As they get taken over. And so here uh, Nehemiah was, he was cupbearer to the king, and a bunch of his buddies, you know, a bunch of his friends went back to Israel to try to rebuild it. And so Nehemiah, he's living in Persia, and he goes back and he checks out Israel. And when he's there, he discovers the wall is broken down, which basically means you're living in a house with no doors. Anybody at any time can break in and take your stuff. Danger. And so it broke his heart, and he's like, this is terrible. I got to do something about this. And the book of Nehemiah is how Nehemiah did something about rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem and how, you know, the enemy came against him and all of those, but he was, he was successful. And in less than two months, they had erected the wall because Nehemiah found favor with the king. And so the story of Nehemiah shows us how a pagan king would go from a passive observer to an active buyer Mm. because that pagan king didn't just sit back and watch Nehemiah go rebuild the wall. He funded it. Yeah. So what did Nehemiah do to turn that king from a passive observer to an active buyer? We're going to share 10 things with you. And you can apply this in your job. You can apply this in your business. You can apply this in your just your life and whatever you do. It will help you walk through uh, whatever it is that you're doing. So I'm going to start. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple verses and then I'm going to give you the point. Okay. So here's for point, for point one, Nehemiah 1, verse 3 and 4. So they said to me, this is, these are the people who came back from Israel to tell Nehemiah that the, the walls were broken down. So here's the report. Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah talking. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Now, right mm-hmm. there, we are seeing the first two steps. Actually, we're seeing the first three steps. 
So number one, what's the first thing he did? He operated out of a burden. He operated out of a burden. He first received the call from the Lord as a burden on his heart. That was the foundation. So much of what we do today isn't operating out of a burden. It's simply operating out of a desire to make money mm. or or a desire to build a platform or whatever. Now, the desire to make money is not wrong. It's not. If that's the only desire, that's a problem. But Nehemiah, it said it broke his heart. Mm. You have to ask yourself the question, what breaks your heart? Okay, this got Nehemiah living from the inside out. Now, for me and David, when we were building a real estate company and we were selling real estate, real estate was not our burden. Real estate did not break our heart. You know what broke our heart? The plight of the unborn. And we knew that selling real estate would allow us to fund ministries and even start our own ministry that would help rescue the unborn. And so now selling real estate became a burden That's right. inside of us because we saw what it could do. Yeah, one of the things, uh, one of the most successful companies I spoke with, um, we were building a, uh, a, a fr- not a franchise, but a, a, another location for Love Life, our pro-life ministry in Manhattan. And one of the business leaders that was going to sponsor came and I had a chance to meet with him. And I couldn't believe how good his company was. And he said, he goes, well, you know, one of the reasons why our company has been so successful. I said, why? He goes, because we seek problem pools, not profit pools. He said, so we start a lot of companies. They're they're serial entrepreneurs. He said, we start a lot of companies and I see a lot of entrepreneurs that are out there and they're always looking for profit pools. He said, but we don't look there. We look for problem pools. So now that's a little bit of a slight different angle, maybe the other side of the coin on burden is well, where are you going to meet needs? Like, what is the burden in your company? You're like, oh, I really want to, I want to go up a few levels. I want to make more money. Well, okay, great. What are the issues that you can resolve? Where are the ways that you can bring value? What is the burden on your boss? Or what is the burden on the entrepreneur that owns the company that you could help solve? And as a result of that, you're burden seeking and eliminating that burden. And now it makes you more valuable and more profitable. So that's the other side of the coin. So you know God is leading you when you can't stop thinking about something and it feels like you're going to fail worse if you don't do it than than if you tried and you did fail. So just what is breaking your heart? What can you do? to? to, Because obviously we're talking to workplace people. What can you do monetarily? What can you do to make money so that you can do something about that thing that's breaking your heart? Okay, so it starts with operating out of a burden. You got to operate inside out. You want to be the kind of person that can flip a king like that, turn him from a passive observer to an active buyer? Start with passion, operating from the inside out. Okay, number two, found in that verse as well. He did uh, number two and number three. It goes hand in hand. First, he fasted. And then number three is he prayed. So he operated out of a burden, then boom, he fasts. He denied himself in the physical so he could gain something in the spiritual. When's the last time you fasted for your job? Or something. Fast something. Yeah, fast something. You're turn, what you're doing in a fast is you're turning down the volume of the world or the volume of your rhythm and the noise of your life and turning up the volume of heaven. Yeah. So turn something off that's noise in your life. And I, I've seen very effective fasts for my kids, especially social media. Oh, gosh, yeah. If they fast for a day, like my daughter, when we get to a certain point where I'm like, okay, Ava, you, Ella, you know, or the boys, Bailey, Ty, Chase. Well, Chase doesn't have any phone or social media or anything. Thank God he's 13 and he's not getting it for a while. But anyway, so it's like, no, we're going to fast. We're going to turn down the volume of your life so we can turn up the volume of heaven. Yes. And so David and I are part of this life surge movement, lifesurge.com. You can go see what city we're coming to where it's a workplace uh, thing that we're doing, helping transfer the wealth of the wicked to the righteous hands, but we're doing it to workplace people. And the Monday before that weekend event, we always fast corporately. 
you know, speakers and the people who work there. And it's just something that we do. So fasting is looking for God's favor. You know, for most of us, we haven't had to pay a price for our faith, but when you fast, you're paying a price for your faith. And it teaches you how to pay that price and how to keep going when suffering enters into the mix. So that was step number two. He fasted. Step number three, he prayed. He brought God into the mix. You might be thinking, oh, well, that's just so simple. That's so simplistic. No, no, no. You're bringing God into the mix. Nehemiah wanted God's mind, not his own. So therefore, he prayed in in terms of your job or your business that you own. You know, David and I, we have this two-step business plan that we teach people. The first page, two-page two business plan. The first page is your vision, your mission, your goals, your tactics, your strategies, whatever is on there. Your second page only has two words, listening prayer. That's where you bring God as your business partner into the mix, and he is the majority partner, but he's given you the management role, right? So praying is bringing God into the mix. So that's what Nehemiah did before he went to the king. He operated out of a burden. He fasted. He prayed. But what did he specifically pray? And this will take us to step number four. Verse six, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the Israelites, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. That's step number four. He repented. Do you know what purity brings you? It brings you clarity. So purity brings clarity. How many of you need clarity in your life? How many of you need clarity in your business? You need a you need an ingenious business idea or there's something going on. You don't know exactly what it is, but you just keep hitting this wall in your business. Let's start with purity, right? It doesn't always mean that you've got some sin going on but you can certainly ask God about it. Most pre- most sales processes don't start with that. <laughs> you know? So purity brings clarity. So look, look at the first four steps and tell me if you've ever heard a sales process that starts with this. Start with operating out of a burden. Operate inside out. Number two, fast. Number three, pray. And number four, repent. Do all of that before you even talk to the person. Yeah, because you're getting right with God. This is the key to favor with God. Yes, that's exactly where it's at. And he did all of that before he ever talked to the king. But now it's time to talk with the king. So before before we hit that, we say at Expert Ownership, it's always spiritual first, then strategic second. It's spirit yep. first, strategy second. Yep. So this is this is why this 10-step this process actually follows that exact breakdown. It's spiritual first, strategy second. So check this out. Here's something else that he did. And this is step number five. I find it in Nehemiah 2 verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. Okay, just stop there for a second. Step number five, he brought value. You know, before he said anything to the king, what did he do? He met his tangible need. He did his job. His job was the cupbearer of the king. The cupbearer is the guy who tastes the wine and gives it to the king because back in those days, people wanted to poison the king. They would do it, and then they try to overtake the kingdom. So they have what's called a cupbearer. The cupbearer would taste the wine and take a drink first. And if it was poisoned, he would die instead of the king. That's the position that Nehemiah was in. So Nehemiah goes, and he takes the wine and brings it to the king, which means he brought value first. Do you know how many people ask for value before they bring value? This is why 
uh, for for so many different fundraisers, especially when you're teaching young kids, just go ask people for money to go on that missions trip. And I'm like, don't ask for the money. Do something of value. Ask to serve them. Yes. Yeah. Do something of value. And then ask and tell them, hey, I'm doing this to go on this missions trip. Yeah, yeah. Can I mow your lawn? I'm trying to raise money for, you know, I'm trying a, to earn money. I had a grown for- man who owns his own business who makes well into the six figures go to Guatemala or someplace like that and sent me a dadgum email saying, can you sponsor me on the trip? And I rebuked him. I sent it back. I said, how dare you send me an email like that, dude? You make great money to pay your own way. He said, our pastor teaches us that we're supposed to bring other people into this so that they can be blessed by being a part of this missions trip. I said, dude, I don't buy that. (laughs) Honestly, I gave him throwaway money. I gave him a hundred bucks. And hopefully it smacked him around a little bit. No such thing as throwaway money, but whatever. That's basically go away. Well, like uh, why? Why would hundred bucks is a hundred bucks? But anyway, we don't want to fight about that. Uh, Uh, But I'm just saying, don't have that mindset. Bring the value first. So let's take let's keep this out of scripture. I mean, in inside of scripture though, Isaiah forty eight seventeen. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. The original Hebrew for the word teach there means to train up and develop skills or skill sets. And the word profit there doesn't mean money. It actually means to be made valuable or to bring value. So the original Isaiah 48, 17 says this, I'm the Lord your God who trains you to develop skills that bring value. That's the way of the word. That's the way of the cross. That's the way of scripture. That's kingdom. It's not I am the Lord who gives you profit or I am the Lord who teaches you to ask for profit. I am the Lord who trains you to develop develop skills that bring value. Yep. So value always precedes profit. So look at those five things that Nehemiah did before he ever tried to sell the king. And he didn't try to sell the king because that's another one of the secrets to selling is you don't have to sell. You just present the thing. You present the problem. You present the issue. You present the solution. And if people want to buy, they can buy. But you do these five things first. He operated out of a burden. He fasted. He prayed. He repented. And he brought value. Those five things. Number six. What did he now do? Let me go back into scripture, verse two of Nehemiah chapter two. Since I had never been, I had not not been sad in the king's presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid that Nehemiah said, But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Number six, he presented the problem. Before he presented the solution, he presented the problem. Okay? He was a value creator. And then he comes in when the king is like, okay, so you're giving me this value. Thank you for doing your job, but you look sad. Why? So the king came to him, and then what Nehemiah did was he presented the problem. Don't try to sell something without showing the problem is the problem that you're solving. What problem are you solving? Uh, you guys all know Larry Hubeck, our great marketing guru, marketing genius. He's always so good about saying, what problem are you trying to solve? So when we're in business meetings or whatever, just Larry always says it. Okay, so what problem are we trying to solve here? It, but if you keep that at the forefront, that's going to help you in your marketing. That's going to help you in your sales. Huge. So presenting the problem very clearly and in that same verse brings us to step number seven. He shared his story. He said, if it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in the sight. Uh, actually, um, that's the wrong verse. It says, why should my face look sad 
when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. You know what he was doing? He was bringing the, he was in presenting the problem, he was bringing the king into his own story, personally, how this affected him. That's why it's point number seven. It's your story. Listen, people buy on emotion, not logic. Your story unlocks emotion for them. So his story got the king into the into the feeling of what Nehemiah was feeling. He's like, man, I'm sad. I'm sad for this. The place where I grew up is in shambles. And the king, you know, as he's sharing the story, he's presenting the problem and sharing the story. Those two things go hand in hand. The king's thinking to himself, probably, man, if the place where I grew up was lying in shambles, I'd want to do something too. Yeah, I love how uh, today's day and age, if you're an entrepreneur and you've got a product, let's just say it's product. I love how, um, like I was, you know, at Marshall's looking at different coffee bags and stuff, you know, while my wife was in there looking for something and I'm just like, oh, yeah. look, sniffing out the dark chocolate section and I see this coffee and you could just buy any number of coffee. But when I turned one of the bags around, it's like when I was a little girl in Columbia, I would always walk by the little coffee field or whatever the field was, yeah. you know, and, and I would always smell it and think one day. I want to master the process of making, you know, these, these coffee buds or these coffee pods. And, um, anyway, and I was like, oh, that's great. Well, that's the one we buy because I love that little story, but you see it on the back of bread. Now you see it on shoes, but the same service as well. I mean, you've got a service company. It's like, look, when I was growing up, my church was always, it it wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be. And so I always thought, man, one day I'm going to launch a, I want to, Start a cleaning service. You know, I mean, just tell your story. People yeah. love that stuff. It really resonates. Yeah. Keeps, it makes you down to earth. And because he was a value creator for the king, and he was very valuable to the king, and uh, because he presented the problem and he shared his story, that got the king to ask a question. Well, what question is that that the king asked? Look at this in verse 4. It says, then the king said to me, what is it that you want? I love this. So the king's going, what do you want? Do you know if you haven't created value for somebody, they're never going to ask you that. They're, you're, they're just not. So you, if people aren't, aren't saying, well, what? okay, so tell me about this thing that you're selling or whatever. They'll never come to you and say that unless you've proven valuable. So the king says, what is it that you want? Nehemiah, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight. Let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay, number eight. That's point number eight. He gave a specific solution. He gave a specific solution. Riches are found in the niches. He didn't paint with a broad stroke. He basically told the king exactly what he wanted. And he said, here's what I, here's what I want. Send me to Judah, okay? And I'm going to rebuild this thing. Don't just send me to Judah. Like riches are in the niches. Too many people fail in their marketing because they're too broad. You've got to be hyper niched. Don't paint with a broad stroke. And so when you're niched like that, here's what grows out of that. And this will bring us to point number nine. Then the king with the queen sitting behind him, beside me, beside him asked, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. But look what Nehemiah said. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, that I, may I have letters sent to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter sent to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple for the city wall and the residence which I will occupy. That's what he did. That's point number nine. He presented a plan. So he did. he offered a specific solution. 
And then he wrapped a plan around that solution. Okay, he didn't just give the solution. He basically said, okay, now here's the step-by-step plan that I need you to do. And, and that becomes very easy for the king. If he just said, hey, send me, send me to, the, to the children of Israel, you know, to Israel, and I'm going to rebuild the sucker, that's fine. The king could say, okay, go. But what, he, what Nehemiah really needed was he needed more involvement from the king. So he outlined the specific plan. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to write these two letters. They need to go to these people. And it needs to say this. And I need that so that I can get the thing done that yeah. I need done. So he presented the plan. Yes. It's tons of people are up there in the idea world. Idea fairies are everywhere, but implementation is where decisions are made. So it's got to go from idea to implementation. You got to give simple implementable steps and that can really help the decision makers very quickly. So he presented the plan. Okay. Gave a specific solution. Point number eight, presented a plan. Point number nine and point 10. It's the most important one. If you want God to keep helping you is found at the end of that same verse. And Nehemiah says, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the King granted my request. Point number 10, he gave God credit. You know what this does? This keeps you in the Lord's favor. It keeps him. It keeps you in the Lord's favor. So you can go through and, and sell and you can sell your product. You can sell your service or whatever. But then as you grow and you get successful, yes, there are practical things that you need to do, but you deflect all of that praise to God. See, Nehemiah, he wrote the book of Nehemiah. And who did he give praise to? God. God. He didn't go through and say, you know, I did these nine things that was, you know, my sales process. No, no, no. He said, because God's hand was on me, the king gave me what I wanted. We see the same thing in Joseph's life when he was enslaved uh, and and in the dungeon. And uh, when he interpreted pharaoh's dream before it all happened pharaoh's like can you interpret my dream and he's like no but there is a god who can so he removed himself from the equation so that god would get the glory daniel did the exact same thing however many years later hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later daniel did the same thing with the pagan king nebuchadnezzar can you interpret my dream no but there is a god who can i mean that is just awesome so those are our 10 steps what did Nehemiah do to turn the king from a passive observer to an active buyer? Here are the 10. He operated out of a burden. He fasted. He prayed. He repented. He brought value first. He presented the problem very clearly. He shared his story. That's so key. He gave a specific solution. Then he presented a plan around that solution. And finally, he gave God credit. And he got what it was that he was selling. Oh, that's good. That's it. It's not bad. Jason, not bad. Jason came up with those. David brought the color because Jason has no idea how to do any type of color. All right, Jason, we got to do own it or loan it. Okay. And I don't know if I've done this before. Kalo rings. You know those rubber yeah, you, rings? You've done that one. Oh, I have? Yeah. Well, I'm not wearing one. Yeah, I don't wear it either. But why? I mean, I. So you loan it? I w- no, I own it. It's good. But why do you wear a, a metal ring? Because that's the it. ring Tori gave me. So oh. I still wear the metal ring. But yeah. man, the, the rubber rings are cool. Do My, it. My my metal ring is uh, at the bottom of Lake Norman. Ooh, yeah. So then I got another one, and that's at the bottom of another lake. When I get cold, my fingers are like daggum skeletons, and so they, they, I just can't keep it on. And then when I'm warm, my fingers get bigger, and it gets too hot. It, it's yeah. it's too tight around my fingers. So I'm a hundred percent own the Kalo ring. Yeah, own it, own the sucker. Although I'm not wearing one right now because I just lost it in the shower, and. Not my shower. I forgot where I was showering. I think it was at the gym, and they didn't have a little drain cover, and so it's Oof. it's in the sewer somewhere. Yeah, 
Anyway, okay, that's ridiculous. That's hey, guys, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for reaching out to us. We get a lot of people reaching out to us about podcasts, even sharing, saying, hey, some of the, I wish you guys would hit on this or this or this. And sometimes we're able to say, okay, yeah, absolutely, we'll do it. Sometimes we're like, no, I ain't going to talk about that junk. <laughs> but we love talking about culture. We love talking about business. And we definitely love talking about scripture. So God bless you guys. We'll see you. Hey, visit us at expertownership.com. Join Owner Suite. You have no idea how fire the bi-weekly uh, Zoom meetings we've been having with folks. So go to expertownership.com and join Owner Suite. You need to. It's cheap. It's great. I should say inexpensive. It's not cheap because it's, I mean, it's we're cheap. giving way more value yeah. than we take in pay there. But man, and you get all those courses. All right. We'll see you guys on our next episode. Bless you. I've been really, really feeling it.